Welcome to the public square. I'm your host, Wu, a student at Candler School of Theology, a son of Korean immigrants, and an agent who seeks to unveil the kingdom of God here on earth. This podcast will address issues that are impacting our public square, which is using language from Paulo Freire, but it's also known as our public sphere and public life. This podcast will provide perspectives from individuals within the church, as well as individuals out in the public square. A global pandemic, political turmoil, racial injustice, natural disasters, and many more, 2020 has been one heck of a year. There are many things that have occurred that have impacted our public square. When we think of 2020, the hot button issue that will forever be identified with this year has to be COVID-19. But with the virus has come many other issues that have impacted our public square. COVID has impacted the world, our nation, and many communities and individuals. I do not want to discredit this impact, but I do want to narrow in on a specific community that has been impacted as a result of this virus, the Asian community. COVID has produced harmful rhetoric towards the Asian community. There have been phrases such as Kung Flu, China virus, etc. used by Donald Trump that has flared up further use of harmful and violent rhetoric towards Asians within our public square. So today, we will be discussing the topic of harmful rhetoric. We used to use the word Chinese for all and every Asian. This is the voice of Nora Colmenares, who is the executive pastor at the Net Church in Lilburn, Georgia. She is a Venezuelan immigrant and she was sharing about her experience with harmful rhetoric that was used in Venezuela as she was growing up. So it wasn't pejorative, but it was very generalizing. And then it could be just pejorative depending on the context. She shared her perspective as a pastor who is a person of color on the harmful rhetoric being used in the public square. I see the harmful rhetoric going on right now as sinful. When we use words that um, diminish, that are pejorative, that uh, communicate that that person is less than, uh, less than human, less than lovable, less than legal, <laughs> less than um, worthy, um, we are committing a sin uh, because. Uh, Every person has the image of God um, in them. Uh, harmful rhetoric uh, has been not only harmful, but but uh, it, it has killed people. It has killed um, nations. It has killed whole populations. Uh, when uh, the the war in, in former Sa'ir that, 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 that came out of uh, the ra- radio program that called the other group, uh, Tutsis and the other group, I can't remember, they called them cockroaches. And using that term, it just uh, infected the minds of people and 
seeing that group of people as worthy of stepping on them and killing them because they they were they had no value. What Pastor Nora just revealed was a manifestation of the banking method of pedagogy that Paulo Freire writes about in his work, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. The banking model of teaching is when the teacher or leader fills the minds of others by depositing tokens of information that he or she considers the truth or true knowledge. With this method of teaching, it does not present opportunity to discuss or analyze the teaching. It is just deposited. And it is considered unquestionable truth, which results in people believing and practicing that truth. We have seen the same model through the rhetoric of Donald Trump through COVID. With harmful rhetoric towards China and Asians, blaming them for the virus in America, using terms like the China plague during the first presidential debate, that information was deposited to many people and understood as the truth. The Washington Post reveals that when Trump was diagnosed with COVID, the people beholding these teachings imposed by Trump unleashed exponentially with harmful rhetoric against the Asian community. So it's not only harmful in terms of hurting that person's feelings, but it is harmful as a society. Pastor Nora continues by sharing what Jesus teaches us about rhetoric and words how Jesus reshapes the negative meanings of titles used to bring forth negative stigmas on individuals, how Jesus breaks that societal paradigm of his time. See, when we look at Jesus and how he used rhetoric, I think he put it upside down because he, um, he uh, make friends with um, tax collector uh, that was despised. So tax collector wasn't just a job title, it was a title of people despised what they did. And in fact, the, the phrase tax collector and sinners kind of went together with, because it was almost the, the same thing. But, but then he, but Jesus called him out and, and, and told him, I'm coming over for dinner. So, and, and coming over for dinner is breaking bread in any culture it is a a, a context of, of being friends of talking with one another or breaking bread so I think Jesus just uh, reshape what that what those words were used against the Kias. Our conversation concluded with her perspective on what the church can do to address and combat harmful rhetoric I think the church has at least a couple of roles. Um, one is to model um, the, the way we refer to people or describe people or describe nations, uh, to use words that are uh, uplifting and positive. Uh, and, and the other role is to correct. So when I talk about the church, I talk about each one of us. The church as an institution, definitely, but also each one of us as member of the church and the leaders of the church. So I think we just we need to use our um, the, the power that that Jesus has given us uh, a prophetic voice and correct. So, for example, when we see somebody that uses uh, the word illegal to refer to human beings, lovingly and respectfully correct and say um, an act is illegal, a, a human a person is never illegal. 
and offer an alternative. You can call them undocumented. Um, but always, always co uh, correct and offer an, an alternative. I think there are um, many words uh, that, that we still we have inherited from sinful past, awful past, that we need to continue changing and continue learning. I, I keep learning about images that are that are not good, that have a very dark past that we need to change. Um, and and yeah, it's, it's bad when we say it, but if we can learn every time and say, okay, I won't say it again, then that's, that's progress. Uh, but at least those uh, roles uh, model and correct. Pastor Nora gave us great insight from the perspective of someone who serves within the church. But now we will hear from someone from outside the church in the public square. Yeah, words can be pretty harmful, but they can also like uplift a person. So there's like, I don't know, I feel like there's too much to go into that. <laughs> that is Nina Chin, a 20-year-old Chinese-American who is currently working for a crafts and fabric retailer. She gave perspective on her initial reactions to the harmful anti-Asian, anti-Chinese rhetoric that surfaced through COVID. Um, the way I felt with all the harmful rhetoric towards the Asian community, specifically during the COVID crisis, um, was that it didn't personally affect me completely, but I saw very much online um, how it hurt community and how much Asians were targeted, um, specifically by people we were trying to make amends with, um, and it would be, like, not great for me to watch. Nina continued on the conversation to share her perspective on what needs to be done and what changes should and could happen to combat this harmful rhetoric to be done is that um, it would be nicer if the older generation would be like try to be more open-minded um, not saying that we need to get rid of tradition and like um, I wouldn't say old stuff like that but uh, um, but it would be nicer if we could have like more open-mindedness specifically to other communities um, and it's not as bad in the younger generation but with the older generation still commanding and taking charge over the younger generation, it gets a lot harder to be able to break free of the stereotyping and stuff like that. So it'd be much better if everyone could at least try to learn and acknowledge other people's crisis and stuff and not put anyone down and to be open-minded. I want to give a special thanks to Pastor Nora Comoneras and Nina Chin for giving such great personal insight and perspective on harmful rhetoric. Peter McLaren writes in Critical Pedagogy that discursive practices refer to the rules by which discourses are formed, rules that govern what can be said and what must remain unsaid, who can speak with authority and who must listen, Social and political institutions are governed by discursive practices. 
I bring this to light because I believe there needs to be a shift in our public square, a shift of how discourse is understood, what rhetoric is appropriate and inappropriate, but also understanding what effect words can have. Joseph Crockett presents in Religious Education in Response to Black Lives Matter, how opponents of the BLM movement have created opposing movements using words and rhetoric like white lives matter or all lives matter. Crockett explains how powerful words can be. This also presents how provocative words can be and how others can weaponize words and rhetoric to oppress others. Harmful rhetoric is real and active. Like Pastor Nora said, rhetoric can infect the minds of others and produce harm. I hope we can challenge ourselves to think about how we can combat harmful rhetoric that is affecting too many people in our public square. Thank you for joining me in the public square. I want to leave you with this question. How can you positively influence your public square? Blessings and peace.